So, episode three, huh? Yeah. We got there eventually after <laughs> having to split it up right back and forth, but you know what I just realized as we were setting up for recording? Yeah? This is the third episode. We're doing an introduction for a certain red character. <laughs> you could say oh. this is title pendering three and Knuckles. Goddamn. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty clever. Welcome to the Title Pendering Podcast, a silent comic recap podcast where, hey, the editors can make mistakes, we can too. At least I hope we can. <laughs> I am Camilla the Ant, and I'm joined by my very lovely partner, Vespa, the spiny anteater. Hello? As you heard from the top, this is episode 3, where we're going to be covering issues 11 through 17, because we realized last time, wait... Maybe doing, like, seven, like, was it, like, 15 issues, maybe not doable over yeah. the course of one hour like I was shooting for, yeah. for the runtime. But we're, we're doing, we're gonna do better this time, we're gonna do better this time. Yep. Like a promo comic, a, the the pilot mini-series, and, like, the series proper, like, all in one episode. It was a lot, it was a lot, and I just, it was literally just in the middle of recording, we're just like, wait, this is way too long. <laughs> Hey, like get, we were getting a drink, and I was like, "Oh no, we gotta split this up. We gotta split this up." Some preamble, though. This is the first issue to feature our namesake, Kenneth Penderson. Mm-hmm. And I was looking into some research because I was just curious as if there's any little factoids I could get about the story. And I did find some cool stuff, like for instance, KenPenders.com, his official website. In all its 2000s GeoCities glory. Yeah, that's about right for Ken. <laughs> so I found his Sonic section. Oh, no. And learned some interesting things about it. Um, this is circa 2004, so at this point, he's not on bad terms with Sega, and so he's, like, pretty proud of what he says. He's still proud of what he does now. I think he does, like, signings for... Archie yeah. Comics, even despite everything that's gone on. But um, I thought it was interesting looking into the behind-the-scenes this time, because Penders already had some experience in the industry. Like, he was doing pencil work, ink work. He did, like, one single script for, like, a, a DC Comics thing or something. I'm not really sure the specifics on that, because he didn't go into too much specifics. But Mike Gallagher, the guy who we basically can blame for the entire first two episodes... <laughs> and especially Alan Cowell, because he's credited as writing for miniseries 0 through miniseries 9. Basically talks that he was going to be, like, dropping off to do other things, which he ended up doing. Like, Penders gets a call from his friend, Mike Kantorovic. Gallagher was going to be dropping out, and he needed someone. And so Kantorovic was like, I don't know shit about Sonic, what about you? And Penders was like, I mean, like, my kid really likes him. That's my Pender's voice, by the way. And so they basically got together and put out three stories, two of which we're going to cover in the Recap Zone. Issue 11, the good, the bad, and the hedgehog. Okay. Just, 
<laughs> Where do we even begin? It starts off like average Sonic story. The, the Freedom Fires are outside of Eggman's latest factory. It's polluting with toxic waste. And Sonic's off defeating uh, Scratch and Grounder again. Only on one panel, unfortunately. Yeah, and they basically just get the short end of the stick, and they basically just background elements at this point. Yeah, it's, unfortunately. I'm glad they returned, but they basically don't do anything at this point anymore. They basically got their limelight in Triple Trouble, but basically don't appear anymore past this, outside of, like, being bad next stand-ins. Yeah, uh, Sonic takes... The shortest cut he knows, the cosmic interstate, something that is completely brand new, like, been introduced, it's... Yeah, I basically described it as a multiversal set of roads, easy to get lost in, complete with references to old comics and older music, like, The Shadow, which I knew nothing about. Um, Superman. Yeah, Lois Lane, Penny Lane, Abby Lane, and Margot Lane. Yeah, Margot Lane is a character from, I believe, The Shadow, and had, like, their own radio thing. Yeah. It's basically just a lot of references that I'm just like, okay, I know the kids definitely don't get it, and the adults are not reading this. It's definitely just self-indulgence for the writers, which, you know, I get. I I plan on doing a lot of that in my comics as well, (laughs) so I get it. I get it. But it's just like... It was just so weird seeing uh, so many references to, like, the Beatles all of a sudden. I was just like, what the hell? Why is there so much, like, old rock going on, you know? I don't know. The Beatles have nothing to do with this, like, story. Like, there's, like, a yellow submarine also in the background of one of the cosmic scenes. And I was looking it up to try and, like... Because, like, I think this was part of why I was curious. Um, And so, going back once again... To KenPenders.com. Born in the happy days of the 50s, Ken is very much a product of his times, having lived through <laughs> JFK, the Beatles, Vietnam, Watergate, and the Reagan Revolution. <laughs> and it goes on to a lot of his influences, such as Stanley, uh, Jack Kirby. But it's just like, oh, like I literally was thinking, like, when I was reading it, like, is Penders the one to blame for all the Beatles references? And it's like, it's a co-production, Probably. so I didn't think... Like, I didn't want to just, like, like make the man up to be a straw man and be like, oh yeah, Ken Penders, right. right. It's, it's definitely him. But it's definitely him. Yeah. And he lists being into the Beatles <laughs> in, his, in his website. Sonic goes into the multiverse, because now we're just dealing with a fucking multiverse now. Yeah, long and before up, Sonic itself would actually have a multiverse-focused series, and before, like, yeah. multiverses were, like, a big thing outside of comic books. Yeah. And so he ends up in the wrong dimension, the opposite dimension, where Sonic is evil and Robotnik is a kindly veterinarian. It still looks like his regular eggplant. <laughs> yeah, he just looks like his regular evil self, but he's, <laughs> like, still a veterinarian, and also has a maternity ward for his animals. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't... That's just, that terrifies me, the idea of Robotnik helping animals give birth. I don't know, it's just not a mental image <laughs> I want to have. He also has a cosmic ray technique. Like they, they have like it's another one of those like uh, background gag things, like X ray, vid ray, cosmic ray, maternity ward. It's so weird. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> and so yeah, we're in a universe with evil Sonic, 
we get a lot of more weird references, including fucking Song of the South. Wait, with what? Zippity Doodah. Oh, well, yeah. It was it was before like I know, I know. It was before all that discourse, but it was just actually insane to me seeing Zippity Doodah <laughs> alongside a shit ton of Beatles references and also a Rolling Stones reference later, as well as a Bounty uh, Towels reference. They're just so this, many references. Dumb like, little quips. More so than I felt like there was before, but I don't know. I guess it's just Ken trying to compensate for writing more gag stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I could believe that, like, given, like, the quality of gags in, like, the first couple issues. Yeah. So, Sonic encounters evil Sonic, and we get to see what all the evil freedom fighters look. They're basically all just leather-clad bikers. bikers. <laughs> it's great. Um, Sally has a fucking whip. Naturally. <laughs> naturally, naturally. And Sonic, him- evil Sonic himself has, like, black shades and a black leather vest and black leather boots. So it's really good, fucking honestly. Fucking goofy. I love it. it I is- love it so much. <laughs> um, one thing I noticed in my research was apparently... And I'm citing a wiki that's citing a book, so I don't have, like, for, like first-hand information of this. But according to Sonic Retro, in the pseudo-Sonic issue we were talking about in the previous episode... Yeah? Apparently that was going to be Evil Sonic, and not pseudo-Sonic. Hmm. Huh. So, like, if that's the case, like, my first instincts of why is the first thing Ken puts out a fucking multiverse... You know, maybe that was part... Ken, maybe that was just something they had in mind for a while now. Probably. It's weird. It's fucking weird. I mean, Mirrorverse stuff is, like, old hat. Like, it goes as far back as at least Star Trek, and, like, tons of cartoons would have, like, the reverse universe of, like, good guys are evil, vice versa, or, like, their personalities are reverse of what they usually (laughs) are. Like, it... For, like, these first... This, like, first appearance of, like, the anti-Mobius, it feels like very, like, standard kids, like, uh, kids mirror universe stuff. Like, all it's missing is, like, the classic evil goatee gag referencing Star Trek. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, it's definitely standard kids fare. But one thing I did put out in my initial impressions notes is that this just feels like a Pandora's box from a lore standpoint (laughs) that we... Not only, like, like it, if it was just we accidentally opened a portal into the evil dimension or whatever, or, like, a cursed mirror, that would be one yeah. thing. But the fact that Sonic just goes, hey, I'm gonna go into the cosmic wormhole today, is <laughs> just... I mean, like, the first batch, we saw him, like, go, like, collect rings and go into, like, the special zone with Al and Cal. Well, that one he did by accident, though. He didn't know what was going on. He just seems, like, terrified, as would I, honestly, <laughs> if I was in the same room with Al and Cal. <laughs> I feel but, like, like never really said, like, what's so bad about them. <laughs> they're, they just look so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Goofy, like we described them in the special uh, stage, that they just look like like Christian cartoon characters. Yeah, I think I thought said they were like Hanna. Bar- I I don't know if I said it was like on the tier list, but like they just feel like Hanna Barbera characters to me. Yeah, they just look very goofy and basically just 
have nothing going for them other than they're random. They're yeah, they're magical. I guess I could like uh, like a reference uh, like for to go off. It's like I don't know, Great Gazoo from Flintstones, like that kind of yeah. like magical character. But yeah, going back to this one, it is just like Sonic decides. Yeah, I'm gonna go into a wormhole, <laughs> and now we just have an inner space highway that exists in the Sonic universe, and that's actually insane to me that that's just now a thing yeah. that we now have to deal with in the Sonic universe. It's <laughs> it's fucking something. I, I, I don't know, I kind of really like Vet Robotnik. I was just like, man, I kind of just want to see him be chummy with the other, <laughs> with the good Sonic characters, because he seemed yeah. pretty cool, even if he was just robotnik in a doctor's coat <laughs> i do like I, I think i said before when we were talking about the promo comic thing i always just find the inter- the idea of like a good robotnik just interesting whether it's like the past version before he went mad or evil or like a mirror universe version like this one but like we only see him like for a bit like he's just like there to show that like oh it's not it's the same uh, I think the normal Mobius, it's a reverse world. Yeah, definitely. It's it's an interesting story. Um, <laughs> beat the clock, the next story. Coconuts straps everyone but Sonic to a bomb, and then Sonic has to go through a very harrowing maze to yeah. get back in time. It's your and standard, like, a, it's not an actual maze, folks. It's like the, the restaurant menu maze for kids. Yeah, it's just a restaurant menu maze. It's really fucking silly. Like, you, if, if you literally are just, like, an adult reading these comics, your eyes will naturally just find a path, maybe hitting, like, one dead end and then just immediately sliding into the path. Yeah, I, two things of note I found about this. One is the fact that, like, Coconut actually acts like his, like, adventure self. Like, he's the bottom of Robotnik's uh, henchmen on, like, a list. And he wants to climb to the top by, like, strapping the Freedom Fires to a bomb and, like... And also the fact that, like, both in this issue... Uh, this issue... This story and the last one, Sally's actively, rem- like, interested in Sonic. Like, it kissing him on... It just, like, yeah. kiss him on the cheek. But still, like, I was just kind of surprised to see, like... It's the thing that just doesn't notice because this batch of issues, like, I think Sally and Sonic might be dating, or it's like they're still kind of doing, like, an, a will-they-won't-they thing. It's a weird, inconsistent back and forth, which yeah. we'll, we'll cover a bit later because yeah, I do yeah. also have that in my notes. But um, to elaborate more on the Sally being lovey-dovey for Sonic, there's, like, one joke that um Rotor asks uh Sally because he's like, oh, we're going to die, so might as well. It was basically like, hey... Where do we rank on your top ten list, Sally? And Sally's like, sorry, boys. Sonic takes all ten slots on my list, asterisk. And then you scroll down, and the asterisk goes from an editor comment that says, True. (laughs) I forgot about that part. Yeah, that just made me fucking gag. Sonic unironic S in Sally's tier list? Yes, of course. I, I don't know, it's just weird that, like, we gone from, like, the I won't say I'm in love kind of relationship with them to, like, Sally being, like, his, like, I would say trophy girlfriend, though. It's more like the, like, just satellite love interest in a sense with her now. Yeah. Yeah. At least for this issue. There was one thing I noticed when I was looking up research for this set of issues. Credits to either Mobius Encyclopedia or Sock News Network, because they both, like, copy-paste these in their respective pages, so I don't know who came up with it first, but... This is the first time that Sonic's spines are, like, actually closer to the, like, what we're used to. Not quite, but closer. Yeah. Like, 
they're still like like they're drawn differently, but they don't have a line work. Yeah, yeah. Separating his head, the back of his head, from the spines anymore. Yeah, I did notice that the art, like, looked a bit nicer. Like, it's, uh, I think it's still the same artist as the last batch, but, like, it looked yeah. like there, there is, like, some improvement going on. Also, much less, uh, color errors I noticed. Yeah, there's still some color errors. I yeah, didn't point any of them out in my notes, but there are some ones in, like, the next issue that I did notice on my second pass through reading. Food for thought, or you are what you eat. So, to give some extra context, when Ken Penders was signing up, they're basically given, like, hey, just submit ideas, just keep submitting ideas, and whatever we approve, then you guys can write a script. So Mike Kontorovic and Penders were just putting stuff out. So they had three ideas, like, presented to Sega at this point. One was the good, the bad, and the hedgehog... One was Beat the Clock, and one was a story rejected by Sega, in <laughs> oh, which no. Sonic would face off against Mario. Oh, God. So, yeah, you know, Ken Penders was just like, let's just stoke the flames of Nintendo versus Sega right here. And honestly, I respect <laughs> that of him. <laughs> and so a Sega, like, licensing rep... Just said, like, no, don't, we don't want to have Nintendo <laughs> characters even as, like, a parody. Makes so that sense. got rejected. And so instead, we got Food for Thought, or You Are What You Eat, in which it's Sonic's birthday, and after overeating a fuckload of chili dogs, and he gets food bloated, he goes to sleep, and has a nightmare, in which everyone is food, and Robotnik is just trying to cook people. Yeah, you know, he's, he's also, like, a food... Hi- human hybrid. You think a burger. Like, Sonic is a chili dog. Sally is a Sunday. Tails is fries, and it looks <laughs> fucking terrifying. Like, the rest of them look like they're in mascot costumes, though. Tails is like the is like a, uh, a fry lock fry box. It is fucking weird to look at. Robotnik is a burger. Coconuts is just completely unchanged because coconuts. And then Sonic gets sent to the grill because he screws up, but then wakes up because it's a dream and then eats chili dogs again. Yeah. It's nothing. I I don't know. It's a very standard, like, nightmare kid story kind of thing, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if they came up with it because the Mario story got rejected and they just needed one more (laughs) to fill out the issue. Yeah, fair. I was reading the Sonograms for this one. There's two Sonograms that stood out for me because they're fucking weird. Some answers that also stood out with me. But I just want to read to you two of them from Mike Ziri from Springfield, Illinois. Dear Sonic... Sonic, you are my second favorite freedom fighter. Tails is my first favorite. I really enjoy your comic. My favorite story is the Sonic spinball issue. Can you have another spinball story, please? I will now get back to Tails. I love the way he looks. He's just so cute. My favorite bad nigga is crab meat. I have a Sega Genesis. I have three Sonic games. They are, in order from favorite to not so great, Sonic Spinballs, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Sonic the Hedgehog. I want a Sega CD. The first game I would like to get would be Sonic CD. I wish Sega would make a game with Tails as the main character. 
I have a Nintendo. I hate Nintendo. On a scale to 1 to 10, Mario would rate a big 0. Sonic would rate a massive 10, being the best. I like issue 4 of the Sonic comic. I think Super Sonic is awesome. Could there be a Super Tails? I wish Tails would get his own series. Could he? Please? I have something to tell you, Sonic. I have viewed your cartoons. <laughs> the Saturday morning episodes are marvelously awesome. I love Robotnik's voice. Good taste. Another issue I enjoyed is the Super Sonic issue. I really enjoyed a Tails story at the end. I can never wait for a comic to come out, Sonic. I can't wait to get a series of Tails if there is going to be one. Well, I have to go. Tell Tails I think he is so cute and awesome. Also, tell the Freedom Fighters hi for me. Okay. Always love you and adore you, Sonic. And then the fucking editor is just like, Whoa! What a workout! After that letter, I gotta take a nap. That's definitely written by a kid. I can totally believe a kid would just, like, go on for, like, an entire page of talking about Sonic. But I just love this. I'm not like the Nintendo. <laughs> I hate Nintendo. I'm scared yeah, of Nintendo. I, I have a Nintendo. I hate Nintendo was the funniest shit ever. <laughs> I can definitely... I'm... I can definitely believe that was a kid that wrote that, not like a, some, like a, like a, like yeah. a, like a kid orating <laughs> to their parents or like going on like speech to text or something. <laughs> I listen to, I just find it funny though, like how much like, even like back then there was a lot of like people that loved Tails, like, you know, he was like the second banana. And then the next one from, the next one from Matt Ensonson from Fargo... I am just showing my pedigree of not knowing states. Uh, ND? I'm not much better about my... I've, I've never been good at geography. ND state. Uh, I, I had to memorize all 50 North states Dakota. and their capitals in high school. God, I feel North embarrassed Dakota. for forgetting okay. that. That's such an like, obvious one to remember. <laughs> yeah, all our North Dakotan listeners are just <laughs> screaming at us right now. Anyway, Matt Ensonson from Fargo, North Dakota. Dear Sonic... What is your favorite sport? Do you have a hobby? How old are you? Please make Robotnik's head fall off. What? Please tell me as a big butt. <laughs> do you like rock and roll? I have about three dollars. How much money do you make? Yours truly, Again. Matt Ensonson from Fargo, North Dakota. I can <laughs> It's like a kid riding to Santa, it feels like, when the, it's directed to Sonic, just makes me think, like, yeah, this was definitely, like, some, like, little, like, naive kid in the 90s. I just remember freaking out when I, when I read, and make I quote, please make Robotnik's head fall off. off, please tell on me as a big butt. <laughs> and then also, I have about three dollars, how much money do you have? The editor did not reply to this, by the way. They yeah, just put that, it in that there. Bummed me out. I wanted to see what like response they would make as Sonic to that. I feel I mean, like the big butt comment is probably because Adventure is like makes a big deal about his ass a lot because uh, oh, I'm trying to remember yeah. the name of the animators just really loved Robotnik. And then the one last thing I did put for the Sonic Grams for this one before we move on to issue twelve is. You know, a lot of these questions in the write-ins are just like, hey, here's, like, three or four questions, can you answer them? And the one thing that just set my um oh, actuallys no. into hyperdrive was someone asking about, like, if Sonic's, like, ever seen with his shoes yeah, off and all that. Yeah, that's fine. I noticed that one as well. Yeah, one person said, nobody's ever seen Sonic take his shoes off, and it's like... We saw we, it. And we will continue. We saw it in a previous issue in the Olympics. We saw his feet, Paul. 
We saw his feet, and We will Paul. continue to see his feet in this patch, as well as in the cart. I know in Adventures, at least, like, one episode had it. <laughs> and then the other one that also just sent me into a Max Wing is that they did just also confirm that Robotnik isn't a robot. And I'm just like, wait a minute, why is he, like, like, like blowing sprockets and all that? And why is he constantly seen drinking, like, WD-40 as if it's alcohol? Which is just a weird thing. Because he's, like, gross what, and evil, like, I guess. We haven't seen it here, but we'll see it later, and it's just a good point right now to bring it up. Why is Robotnik an alcoholic? Like, he is, like, seen multiple times with a bottle of, like, basically just whiskey, but it's just, like, WD-40 instead. Can you blame him, given, like, what he has to deal with on a daily basis between his, like, incompetent robot minions and the obnoxious blue hedgehog that drives them insane? Like, yeah. I'm kind of surprised that, that Robotic is not an alcoholic, given how much stress he deals with on a daily basis. <laughs> yes. But he never noticed that. A 10W40. It's 10W40 that Robotnik drinks, and they make reference to it in a few stories. It, I just don't get it, honestly, why they keep having him just drinking I whiskey. I mean, like, he's, like, he's evil, so he drinks gross stuff, I guess. Like, maybe he wants to be a robot. I don't know. <laughs> so now we get into issue 12. This is, again, according to uh, Mobius Encyclopedia and Sonic News Network... The first issue in which Sonic's spines are in a standardized format. Why did I write in alliteration there? <laughs> but, like, what I mean is, like, he has, like, three sets of two spines is what they described it as, rather than having one dorsal fin row of three. It's not as noticeable here, right. but it definitely gets much more noticeable as we change artists. And so it is interesting that, like, at this point, 12 issues in, Sonic's design finally looks like we're su- like it's supposed to. And mm-hmm. so we also have Scott Fulop uh, joining the editor staff. As we'll note in the Sonicgrams, he's working alongside Victor Gorlix because Paul Castiglia is no longer going to be editing for us. And so I don't know what the editing process is. It's probably just, like, it's probably, like, a director work kind of thing, you know? Like, with, like, Shonen Jump, I've always heard editors basically being, like, taking the stories, processing them, taking, like, hey, like, this needs to be changed and that and all that. So it's probably similar yeah. to that. I wouldn't be surprised if editor in the Archie Sonic context basically just means response to the letters, hmm. which is why I was yelling at Paul earlier with the Sonic Rams. <laughs> But speaking of Sonograms, one kid was like, hey, you should do a time travel story. And the right of Paul, I'm assuming, was like, whoa, how do you read our minds, dude? Because this next story, a timely arrival, is a time travel story. It's the prehistoric issue. Robotnik decides to build a time machine and send Sonic to the prehistoric age. And Sonic meets... Sonug the bog hog because hedges have not been existed yet. <laughs> been invented, yeah. I found yeah. that was a weird little detail that kind of cracked me up. Also, we get to see Sonug's bare feet, which is just lovely. Yeah. Like, at least it's not, like, focused on it still. It's weird seeing Sonic 
with, like, toes. Like, I'm just used to, like, the way that, like, adventure onwards does, where it's just, like, an oval. We also see Ivo Robugnik, who, for some reason, there's a joke in there that I liked where he basically <laughs> answers to himself because robots haven't invented yet. But also, he knows <laughs> about yeah. robots, despite them not being invented yet. I mean, that's just kind of like a just... typical gag thing. <laughs> I know, I know, it's just a gag. I know I'm, like, overthinking dumb gags, but it just... It just made me go, huh? At a later point, Sonic meets the other freedom fighters of the long past prehistoric age, and they're all too scared to go up there because they might get eaten or, like, hurt by Robognik or whatever. And Sonic's like, oh, you gotta adapt, you gotta use your brains. And they go up and just have fun, and they're playing with the pigskin, which means that football was invented. <laughs> yeah. American football was invented at oh, this point in the prehistoric age. Also, don't forget my favorite lines, like when they're playing football, Sally goes, I'll be right back. I'm going to invent the shovel. Yeah, I, I was just about to mention so that. Much. Sally just leaves <laughs> to invent the shovel, which is like, I what? I told her about the shovel for whatever reason. I like the idea that she up. just decides to go do that without even knowing what a shovel is, honestly. <laughs> Also, uh, well, like, the rest of the Free Empire is basically just, like, the regular characters, like, with a caveman, like, uh, I forget what you call it, like, a the caveman clothes, whatever you yeah, want to say. Yeah, Thonog has a white beard, which honestly makes him more like, more look like he's, like, an old man, right? Yeah. Like a caveman to me. Especially with the Christmas Carol, where we did get <laughs> Old Man Sonic. <laughs> a bunny's not there, which, because of honestly, course. it would have been really funny seeing, like, Cave Bunny. Because it would be either, like, her arm and leg or legs are made out of stone, or she's just back to her, her Nesquik rabbit attire. <laughs> It's nothing new. Like, in the last story, I don't think Bunny was in either, like, any of the stories at all, actually. Like, it's probably, this won't, I don't think this is the last time Bunny will not be featured in a Freedom Fighter, like, among the Freedom Fighters, for whatever reason. One joke I did like, uh, that we glossed over is that, like, Robugnik thinks, like, he defeated Sonic, and he does, like, a little dance and yeah. celebrating, <laughs> and then it match cuts into the present day where regular Robotnik is doing the exact same dance because he's thinking he's defeated Sonic. And honestly, <laughs> I thought that was a really good joke. Yeah. Especially with Crab Meat being like, oh, you broke a rule, master. And then <laughs> and then Robotnik is like, forget what you saw. And he's like, I can't. It's been burnt into my memory. And then he just destroys Crab Meat. <laughs> Poor Crab Meat. Crab Meat, my beloved, honestly. Wrap it up like Sonic gets pulled back to the uh, present day because like the the Freedom Fighters got like his uh, Eggman's time travel thing. They use the time machine to just make him go back, which is like what? How does that work when it's like a beam you shoot to send someone into the past? Yeah, they just need to wrap up the story, I guess, and didn't think too much on it. And also, like it ends off with Sonic with the Freedom Fighters planting hedges. The the past uh, cave yeah. Freedom oh, yeah, Fighters cave. planting hedges. Yeah, and. Sally's like, oh, like, Salog, I guess, was like, hey, help me with this. And then Sonog was like, oh, great, I'm going to have to thank that Sonic if he ever comes back. And then they're basically like, hey, write in if you want to see more of the prehistoric Sonic characters. And I'm like, no. They're not bad, but, like, I'd rather see more evil Sonic, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. Like, we saw, like, the kids probably, I guess, maybe like this thing, like, because they're kids, like, 
Yeah, just like a standard. It's like cartoon tropes, yeah. Yeah. It's cartoon tropes, so of course it's gonna be like, hey, write in if you wanna see more of these, like, tropes. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just at least glad they didn't lean hard on, like, the unga bunga caveman speak crap that always just drives me insane whenever they do cave, whenever a cartoon does a caveman story. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't touch that either. And then the next two stories. I just did not care about. I know this is not the opinion zone, but I just thought the next two stories were just boring. We yeah. have the bald-headed eagle in which Sonic stumbles into Cyril the bald-headed eagle and he is actually bald-headed. He's an old guy and he thinks he's the last living eagle on Mobius and is basically like about to give up and Sonic's like you got to you got to fight the good fight and he's like okay and then he just jumps off a cliff and, like, <laughs> he's like, oh, no, I can't fly. <laughs> then he, like, picks himself back up and they find, oh, the other eagles still exist. They were just in hiding. And then Robotnik tries to run them over with a mining device. And then they just run off a cliff. And it's like, uh. Yeah, like, the vehicle they are on was too heavy and they fall off the cliff. And, so I, like, they imply, like, Cyril was, like, and the eagles are going to help uh, with the freedom fire. Like, it's. It's a fine story. Like it's all. It's a very quick story, though. One thing I did note about it is I wrote down Penders. Please stop introducing new characters. My tier list cannot handle this <laughs> because no. Many times I was just like, "Who the fuck wrote this?" Because it's, sometimes it's just really weird stories, and then I look it up, and it's usually Penders. Like one <laughs> time it wasn't, but one, most of the time it is. That guy can make some weird stories, I mean, and he also one, just keeps introducing characters. I mean, this one isn't that weird. Like it feels like a very like another standard kind of like a like old hero or like a like try like giving someone like the like a bravery moral kind of thing. Like it's like a very it felt like a very standard kind of, like, Sonic story. Like, if M was much, much more lighthearted or something, I could see them doing an episode like this. I, I just wasn't into it. It was, yeah, like, it if was this fine. was in the cartoon, it would be an episode that I'm just like, yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah, like, like, it doesn't, doesn't mean much to me. It, it was, like, I thought it was, like, fine, too. Like, it, I don't dislike as much as you do, but, like, it was, like, it's just, like, some... Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it okay. <laughs> it okay. Yeah. Mario, thumbs up. <laughs> um, the Lynx is a jinx. Sonic stumbles into Larry Lynx, super jinx, and cartoonish antics ensue with how unlucky the yeah. latter is. It's, I hate this trope. This is yeah. like, like, I don't hate the story, but it's one of my least favorite tropes in cartoons. Like, you're talking about, like, how you didn't like bait and switch kind of stories. Yeah. I don't like oh, I'm really unlucky and I bring bad luck wherever I go yeah. stories, because I just think it's boring. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this kind of stuff here. Not, maybe not to the extent you are, but, like, it's, again, I've never kind of trodden, like, seen it before uh, kid's cartoon trope. Like, I know we're talking about, like, a kid's comic and all, like, but still, like, it's very much, like, the kind of thing you just pull from a hat, like, just throw in like you're throwing the characters, and antics ensue of like bad luck. Feels very much like well, may not like kids cartoon, but like it may seem like I don't know Tom and Jerry or something like that kind of like uh like it's like give this little Lynx guys like he's a little guy like kind of cute design like very like uh like 
kid, like, I'm trying to get the right word for it, like, just very, like, cartoon kid, uh, uh, kid cartoon cat design, like, very, like, small, like, uh, <laughs> it's a little, like, cat. <laughs> God, please. I would have, I would have... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm keeping that in. You're going to have to suffer. God damn it. I would have liked this story better if it was a Tom and Jerry bit, as you mentioned. Because um, if it was a Tom and Jerry bit, it would have just been more violent, and I would have found that funnier. <laughs> yeah. No interesting Sonic Grams this time, other than I noticed that they're no longer telling you to stop sending money to the mail, which made me sad, because I thought that was really funny <laughs> how they kept doing it for, like, five issues. Uh, one kid asked who Antoine is, like, what race, and no. <laughs> one kid asked what Antoine is. Oh, okay. And they said he's a fox, and I'm like, is he a fox? I don't know. Oh yeah, I was just, what something I didn't note from like the Sonic Rams, like a uh, Chris Ch- uh, Chidester. I don't know how you pronounce uh, his last name from California. Mentioned that he's so excited for Sonic Free, but for some real excitement, bring in Robo Sonic, Robo Tails, and most of all, Knuckles the Echidna. And also says like, think Mobius he didn't roboticize Knuckles for he's cool inside, but you have to look for it. What? <laughs> it's on the first page. I didn't even see that. What the hell? Yeah, I just found it kind of amusing the like, Robo Sonic and Robo Tails, whoever Robo Tails is. It, I I don't know, honestly. I found it kind of amusing they use like that that render of classic Sonic laughing for like a uh, the Sonic Ram thing. Like now they have like a little like gag at the top of like the editors. Yeah, they have little like gag cartoons for yeah. each of the Sonic Rams now. They will later call these the off panel. Yeah, I was which is bring interesting, that up. but. At this one, it is just basically an introduction to Scott, as mentioned at the top, uh, taking over for editing, and so it's, it's neat. Um, yeah, be a couple more gags like this in the next few issues with the Sonic Rams. Speaking of the next few issues, yes. issue I've thirteen, one. the mighty appearance of Transonic. Oh because the, in the, the smoke cloud that Sonic makes as he's running. It's just the trans pride flag, like Wait, actually what? the trans. Like, look it up on the cover. Wait, oh, it's literally oh, just wait, the trans yeah. pride flag, just like complete huh. accident. Yeah, it does kind of like like the trans pride colors. But fun facts for this one, going back once again to the Pender dimension, there was going to be a different cover for this one, and it was going to, as you would expect, tease the appearance of the new character, Knuckles the Echidna, as he makes his debut appearance in the Sonic Archie comic universe. I'll put it up for the YouTube version, but in the original sketch, it is Sonic and Tails looking around, feeling like they're being watched. Whereas Knuckles the Echidna lurks on in the foreground. Whereas in the final version, it's just Sonic running in a raceway and the smoke cloud he's kicking up just looks like the trans pride flag, which, you know, wins by default, but, you know. <laughs> I love that. It's just like a hand, a bold up fist, like shaking at them, just like how the first page is. It doesn't even show his knuckles, though. Like it, or even like it doesn't really look like it's knuckles. I guess it's like maybe it's like you're trying to hide it. This Island Hedgehog, which I was so confused as to the title. Yeah. According, I... once again, to the two fandom wikis, Mobius Encyclopedia and Sonic News Network, 
It's a reference to a 50s sci-fi movie titled This Island Earth. Yeah. Which is well known for being featured in Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. Yeah, I remember watching that, actually, since I'm a big uh, Mystery Science Theater fan. Like, I, I, was trying, I was trying to wrap my head around because I know I've heard the phrase This Island blank before, but I couldn't remember, like, what it was at first until I looked it up. Yeah, I have. I had no idea because I never grew up with MST. I was just... I was a Red Supre kid, as you were, but I wasn't also an MST kid. Fair. Introduction of Knuckles. Sonic and Tails investigate Angel Island and get accosted by Knuckles, who, as Vespa mentioned earlier, is basically just shown as a balled-up fist for the first part, but also, at one point, because this is basically just riffing on the beginning of Sonic 3, which is an interesting quote, we'll read from in a second. Sonic and Tails are on the tornado as they're going to Angel Island, and then Knuckles shoots them down. With the unwelcome Matt. I love that gag. He says he's gonna, time to unroll out the unwelcome Matt, and actually shoots a fist with holding the unwelcome Matt on it. I wasn't even focused on that joke. I was just thinking about how Knuckles has a rocket fist, and I was like, what? (laughs) I guess because he's working with Robotnik, I guess. It just cracks me up regardless. <laughs> to quote uh, Kenneth once more, The reason this particular story came into existence is that Sega wanted to promote its latest Sonic game cartridge, Sonic 3. That meant Mike and I had to incorporate elements from the game into the story, most of which are featured in Part 1. Part 2 was devoted to tying up all the loose ends and resolving the story on a somewhat upbeat note. Talking about incorporating elements from the game story, we do have Sonic just doing the insta-shield from 3, and it is just incredibly, like, crowbarred in. It's just so awkward. Holy 16-bit graphics! I think I've just been covered by some sort of energy shield, which, like, it confused me because, like, I can't tell if he did the insta-shield or it's, like, an elemental shield. And then it immediately wears off as him and Sonic... Him and Sonic... Him and Tails jump into the water to go into Hydro... uh, How you want to say it, Zone? Hydro... City. Also, I did like... Excuse me. Whatever. I also did like... (laughs) I'm just so tired of the fucking Hydro City debate. They... they, they, It's just another play-the-game shit-lips moment, but it's also a QTE where it's like, oh, like, press the button to hold on, and then it's like, oh... Oh, too late. Maybe next time, <laughs> as they get, like, sunk into, like, drowning, basically. I did also, uh, before we pass by, I did like that they include a few bits from the first level. Like, you can see on the uh, one panel, the uh, Coconuts-esque uh, bad Nick on, in the background, and never they're attacked by the mini-boss from uh, Angel Island, but, like, colored differently. It's it's pretty cool how they were trying to, like, adapt the story, even if it did also feel like they just played the opening level, maybe got up to Hydro City, and then decided that Which, was it. I mean, that's fair, like, for, like, a promo comic. You don't want to spoil too much, and also, as a kid that, well, not, like, growing up with the Genesis, did have this on Mega Collection that was about the farthest that I saw as a kid, so it probably would like, a lot same- of kids saw up to. <laughs> but at the same time, Knuckles is the guardian of the Chaos Emerald. Oh yeah, that. Because it's just one Chaos Emerald and not the Master Emerald. And not, and, like, it's like, not a giant emerald either. Like it's just a singular. It's just a regular green Chaos emerald. emerald. Yeah, it's and it's weird. also just being like resting on just like a, a pile pebble. of rocks. Yeah, it's so weird. It's just on a pebble, uh, like a pile of rocks. It's really silly, honestly. 
Yeah, weird. Again, I probably didn't like look that into the source material for uh, the game and just like threw something together for it. And then it, the rest of the story is just oh, Robotnik tricked me, and then they work together, yeah. beat Robotnik, and then leave. I love the, um, the panel when he re- re- realizes he's been uh, fooled. I've been played for a sap, and nobody, but nobody, plays Knuckles for a sap and gets away with it. <laughs> poor. He also looks really poor. goofy, too. Yeah, Knuckles looks a bit weird in this issue. And I especially love his reaction to when he finds out... <laughs> That the Chaos Emerald is missing, but I just correct me, I've given what is going to happen with Knuckles for the next decade or so for the poor bastard. You're going to be fooled so many times, my sweet summer echidna. (laughs) (laughs) It also does not end with a call to action to write into the Sonicgrams, but instead, a promise. Knuckles is going to return in another story... Is Knuckles friend or foe? Sonic and Tails would like to know. Check out upcoming issues for further details. And it makes sense, like, given, like, this is Sonic 3, and from, I, I, I've only really played Sonic 3 and Knuckles, but, like, I remember, like, it stops midway through that version, so Knuckles wouldn't be, like, turned over, like, a, like, a, in the games yet, so. Yeah. And speaking of, speaking of Sonic and Knuckles, there is... Two more blurbs I want to leave you with before we go into the next story. I'll paraphrase this one a bit. Sega almost just got this story completely replaced. Oh. They were just like, we don't know what we're going to do with Knuckles long term. And they're just like, okay, just like pull that story. And then my homie Scott Fullup, new editor from the previous issue, was like, what? Yeah. The direct quote. Uh, fortunately, editor Scott Phillip put the situation in the correct perspective. If Sega wanted so drastic a change made at the witching hour, which... The what witching the hour? Ken? <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> at the witching hour! <laughs> they would have to bear responsibility for the costs. And so, yes, yeah, they Scott basically pushed back, and now we have this story, which is neat. Um, yeah, thank you, Scott. Like, I'm glad that yeah. they pushed for that. And so they were going to do a sequel as we were itching to do more with Knuckles. And it was going to be in Sonic 20, which will be covered next batch. But Sega basically said no. And then they would keep saying no. And then we got a Sonic and Knuckles special, which we will cover in episode 5. So look forward to that. Glad to know that even back then, Sega was very flippant, wishy-washy. On one hand... (sighs) On one hand, part of me is just in a morbid way glad that's just not a new thing. But on the other hand, god damn it, it's been going on since this long, you know? Yep. Like, to clarify, it's not good that Sega was like this. It's just more that I'm, like, in a morbid way reassured that it's not a changing of the guard. Like, at this point, yeah. it's just a matter of hopefully we get a changing of the guard so we don't keep having this, you know? Yep. We don't have to have, he can live in the cave, and he can be in the cave, but we can't imply that he lives there, as we'll get to way later on down the line. Yep. <laughs> it's such an obscure, obscure little thing. 
One last tidbit before we move on to the next story, because man, we've been going on for way longer than expected once again. Naturally, our first decision regarding how we were going to write the new character was a no-brainer. Knuckles may have been indigenous to the... Uh, sorry. Knuckles may have been indigenous to the Australian Wildback, and he may have the dreadlocks Wait, to do any Rastafarian crowd, but oh, he was God most definitely a D's and damn and Doe's Brooklyn kind of guy, which is exactly how what? we wrote him in our original script. What? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, the only part I could maybe understand was, like, as much as I hate to say it, the dreadlocks part, because even as a kid, I kind of fought that, but, like, when, why did he say, I guess because he's on an island? in Like, a tropical island? Um, wait, I don't know. I but, don't know. I, I was initially going to start this episode with reading that as the cold open, but I, I, I came up with the other one like, on the spur of the moment before we hit record. But yeah, I don't... I just felt like I was having a stroke reading that, honestly, and I was just like, I need to share this with you. <laughs> I don't blame you! And that was from Penders, right? Yeah, it's from KenPenders.com. Yeah. Oh my... <laughs> Good God! Ah. <sighs> Space oh, in your face. Robotnik builds the RoboStorm, an orbital space weapon with the intent on firing its beam to roboticize everyone from space. Antoine is given the express guillotine. Because they're making an effigy, not an effigy, a statue oh, of Antoine oh, yeah, yeah. out of wood, and Sonic accidentally beheads it. <laughs> and I just... Because at this point, the characters are all basically just the versions from the cartoon. Antoine is just fully French, and so I was just like, I gotta make a guillotine joke here. Oh, it just writes itself. <laughs> fair enough. The Freedom Fighters end up infiltrating, stealing the ship, get chased by Robotnik on his backup ship, and have to make an emergency landing on the moon. But it's not just your ordinary moon. It is the moon Mercury. <sighs> I don't know. It's just kind of a nothing sure. story. It's just I, so weird how we started with, like, robot lizards and evil termites and robot Batmans, and now we have laser death ship being sent into space, and now we're going to the moon, and I was like, this just feels so different. I feel like I'm just on a completely different uh, comic yeah. at this point, and that's something I'm just going to feel concurrently with this, like, these 20 issues we've read. Agreed. But yeah, like... <laughs> It is. There's two bits that I did want to bring up. One is the fact, like, as they're flying free space, they bring up, someone brings up, Kale's mentioned, like, that, that, I guess it's Tails, who, like, he's trapped in a giant gumball machine because of all the plants around. And someone else goes, those gumballs are 100 moons in the orbit of our planet. So, why does Mobius have 100 moons? (laughs) And they don't look like moons, they just look like planets, so that's. So I don't being, know. Uh, it I don't know. They're just away. making a dumb joke, I guess. Well, so th- there was one like running gag that kind of uh, made me chuckle. Is like since uh, the ship that um, the Freedom Fire stole is in the likeness of Robotnik. Robotnik's like giving Jason another ship and has to keep looking away as <laughs> Snively has to attack the uh, Robotnik ship because he can't bear to look at something like getting it destroyed of his own likeness. Robotnik's ship turns into a mecha in the likeness of Robotnik to further (laughs) hammer that in. And so rule of threes, they make 
a mush effigy of Robotnik tricking him into like leaving the <laughs> ship to worship it and then they just leave Robotnik and Snively stranded on the moon because the other ship they had to land on the moon because they're running out of fuel and so they basically just leave Robotnik and Snively on the moon with no way of getting back and then they just reset the status quo next issue <laughs> This is the second issue, however, in which Rotor really wants that goop, though. Oh, yeah, we didn't bring that up in the first one. In the, in the first one, for some reason, Rotor comments on how he thinks the, the toxic sludge might taste good. <laughs> and then in this one, the muck from the moon, muckury. The muckury. Or maybe, maybe the sludge from the previous issue... Oh, maybe. He just makes into, like, sludge pancakes, and everyone's like, what is wrong with you, Rotor? That's disgusting. And I'm just like, are you having a stroke, Rotor? Are you okay? <laughs> it's because big guy, funny, like, fat. I mean, I'm assuming like, it, it feels like a, a fat joke thing. Like, I don't know. Like, it just feels like something that, like, the kind of logic you would expect from this kind of, like, era of humor. Anything of note that you want to bring up from the Sonic Rams? Because I at least want to say, like, they have another, like, gag with the editors, and they have Knuckles on the side. Uh, like, it's the two editors fighting each other like, yeah. uh, over who goofed, and Knuckles on the side with, like, a render from, like, the games going, FIGHT! With his arms raised up, kind of cracked me up. I love how you asked if I had anything I wanted to say, and then just said the one thing I was going to point out oh. right after before I could well, even say it. I thought you, like, you had read the letters. Shit, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I was. I read the letters, too. Um, there's, like, a lot of more kids soliciting OCs. None of them was as funny as Freddy the Fox. Um, one of them was a robot named, like, X Vigor or something, which was weird. One thing I did notice is that they talk about the Sonic Air Hockey game that Sega was going to make, and I'm like, is that a thing that came I out? Because I, I don't know about that. I think I might have actually heard about that. Like That was like a scrap game, like, uh, around like the same time, like, Extreme was, like, probably in development. I think I do remember seeing images of, like, I think it was, like, Saturday AM Sonic and Robotnik doing Air Hockey. Like, it probably was, like, a mini-game for, like, the Saturday AM, like, tie-in game they had in mind. Yeah, I don't know. I was just so confused on Sonic Air Hockey game that I never heard of. It was probably, like, a magazine thing. Like, like one picture on one page of, like, a video game magazine. <laughs> As you mentioned, they forgot to credit the authors for the bomb story, and so... Paul and Scott are beating the shit out of each other, and it's just really funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, one last thing before we leave this issue. Uh, the This Island Hedgehog was dedicated to Jack Kirby. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, like a major part of, like, a comics, like, uh, back in the day, like, the creator of the New Gods, uh, uh, DC, as well as Darkseid, if I recall correctly. I'm not a DC historian, much of the love of them, but, like... I know he's, like, a very important figure to comics. I was gonna mention that, but I did forget. And so we'll leave off this issue and move on to the next one with just one last quote from KenPenders.com, because it oh, is no. relevant. It's not It's not a nightmare one. It's just relevant to the situation. Okay. Um, it immediately follows the Knuckles 
a Brooklyn accent thing, so it is a bit of a nightmare, but it, it does it. it does get more heartwarming afterwards. Okay. This decision was made all the more poignant when starting to construct the actual script. We learned about the passing of Jack Kirby, who was not only one of the greatest comic book creators ever, but also one of the seminal influences upon Mike and myself. Without hesitation, we both agreed to dedicate this particular story in memory of Jack. Aww. R.I.P. King Kirby. Rest in peace. Issue 14, Tales Taste of Power. <laughs> Issue 14, Tales Taste of Power. <laughs> <laughs> Tales eats a fruit from the Mobian Tree of Wisdom after trying to fill in for Sonic at Rotor's greenhouse. I wrote down a few notes, a few jokes, rather, like, Yo, ho, ho, Tails took a bite of gum gum. And, oh no, Tails committed the original sin, now he's gonna be cast out of Knothole. <laughs> oh um, <my> god. <laughs> also, sexy kissy plants, because Sonic is being wrapped up by, a, like, a romance flower or something at the very start. It's really weird. Yeah, I hate uh, the, the flowers design so much. It looks so weird. And then Tails eats the fruit from the tree of good and evil and becomes obnoxiously smart and verbose, which I jokingly wrote down mm. as Tails has become Tim Buckley. Because at one point, there's literally just one point where he starts speaking so much that it crowds the yeah. panel. <laughs> Shut up, Tails. You're crowding us out of the panel. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get a lot of youth out of that panel in particular <laughs> as we go along the comics. Tails tries to confront Robotnik, but then we find out that the Wisdom Fruit only lasts one day, and then so he becomes dumb, and then Robotnik captures him, and then Sonic gaslights Robotnik into thinking (laughs) the, the metal that Tails made for himself is actually a bomb, because Tails made it so that it could not be picked up by the scanners for Robotnik, and so he saves the day by gaslighting Robotnik. And then, man, I hate Antoine. He's just so annoying now that he's full-on French coward. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm not a big fan of it either, but, like, I think it can get much worse in the it can. show itself. It can, it's still and it will. Right. But it's just like, oh, no, now we have to deal with that, too. Yeah. He might become the first unironic F, or at least the first F of a character that isn't a joke character. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, he, I didn't dislike it, or for at least me. Like, I didn't hate him that much. Like, he's, I mean, it probably just helps, like, he's not voiced into the comic, so we don't have to listen to He still to speaks in his French accent. Yeah. Like, they dialect it. Yeah, it's just that it's more the voice that, like, that I associate with him from the cartoon really gets on my nerves even more than just, like, reading the French accent. Next story. Do it yourself, Sonic. Ken and Mike are on vacation. And as such, Sonic challenges the readers to fill in the word bubbles and sound effects. And the prizes are subscriptions to the comic. And as we'll learn when the winners are announced, signed prints, which are neat, Mm. autographed Mm. prints. Um, The story is basically nothing. Sonic and Tails just get attacked by Robotnik when they're just trying to fish, dude. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's, in, it, I mean, it's going to be interesting because me and Vespa are going to have our go at this for this episode's <laughs> special zone. It's oh, going to be a bit of a nightmare. 
<laughs> I literally asked for this, too, at one point in one of the previous episodes when I was just joking about how they should have let us just write in dialogue for Sonic. And then we got to here, and I was like, oh, they're actually letting us write in dialogue for Sonic. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. One thing I also noticed is that they do have a preview of the story before we cut to the actual page. And it's actually filled out. Like, you can tell the story was oh, titled yeah. A Whale of a Tale. And it actually <laughs> had dialogue. I, I really was curious, and I couldn't find anything, unfortunately. But I really was curious as to if they had the story, couldn't think much of it, and then decided to just turn it into a contest rather than scrapping it. Probably. I can believe that. Which would have been funny, honestly. And then we get to the final oh, issue. God. Girls just want to have fun. Girls just want to have fun. Eggman is playing with very sexist, deliberately so, uh, defective freedom fighter action figures. I think one of them literally says, my place is in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, Bunny says, my place is in the kitchen, and Sally says, math is hard. Which is so weird, because they made reference to that earlier, and we were fine with it. But anyway, a robotic hatches a plan to capture the girls, because they're weak and girls, and makes a shopping mall to capture them, and which they then decide to go to anyway, because girls do be shopping. But then they quickly and easily dispatch a Robotnik and his minions to show girl power because it's just that kind of story. It's just a don't underestimate girl story and I'm glad they have this kind of story in there but it's still just frustrating to read because it's just a boring trope even if it has a good yeah. message at the end of it. Yeah. I don't have much to say for this one. There was one thing I wanted to note because they make a lot of a lot of weird, weirdly feminist puns as they're beating up Robotnik and his goons. And then they reprogram the action figures. Oh, yeah. Somehow. You've been bad boys, but you can have your toys back anyway. And then Bunny says, we've made a few political corrections. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> so dumb. I did like the idea that Robotic was just playing with figures of the Freedom Fighters and then <laughs> hid that from Snively. Like, it's such an easy joke, but it was pretty funny. Yeah, it reminds me of from Spaceballs. And then Sonic is clipping coupons to go to the Mobius Mall to get Genesis cartridges, and then they make a joke about, oh, girls be shopping, but it's the girls saying that about men this time, and it's like, ugh. <sighs> Sonic Sonograms off-panel... Uh, <laughs> Angelo De Caesar, the writer for The Bold-Headed Eagle, is banging on the door to beat the shit out of Scott and Paul because they accidentally credited Penders and Kantorovic instead, which is just fucking hilarious that they just accidentally credited the wrong people <laughs> after Christ. messing up and forgetting to credit people previously. I at least appreciate they acknowledge these, like, slip-ups and, like, and give the proper credit afterwards as well. And then we do have confirmation that they do think you need a hundred rings to go supersonic. It was, like, what? They... It's so weird. Any, uh, like, males that you, uh, that caught your eye? I have a favorite comic, Ten. The nerbs were cute. I don't think they should be called nerds. Thank you, Alethea Barnes. <laughs> no game for taste in children, I suppose. So anyway, that moves us on to issue 15. <laughs> uh, this was the one 
to pull ahead a bit into like a mini opinion zone. Bah, bah, bah. I did not care for issue fifteen. I thought it was oh. just fucking boring. Okay. I didn't. I didn't care about any of the stories in here. There I, is one interesting fact that does lead into why I think the stories are boring is that this is basically a bunch of filler, or at least some of it is filler, because this was not the original issue 15. Oh? I'm gonna blow your fucking mind, Vespa, because, again, I researched way too much into this. Thank you, though. I'm, I'm always down to learn more about the comic. The original issue 15 was going to be the further schemes of Dr. Ivo Robotnik, a special all-bad-guys issue, and was going to feature a story titled A Day in the Life of Dr. Ivo Robotnik. God, that that bums me out. Even this, yeah. might, might, this might not be my favorite Robotnik. I still kind of would have loved to see that, because I just... Okay, it's just fun, like, reading Robotnik stuff, and, like, he's still, like, that guy that fun kind of like super villain mustache twirling personality in this we do have the sketches for a day in the life of dr ivor robotnik of the story itself not just the cover oh um some of it might be lost media though unfortunately because it's on the wayback machine on the funny old ken penders website (sighs) but like two of the two of the images are not archived God damn it. We have most of it archived, and so we'll take a look at it for the special zone alongside the DIY Sonic issue. But unfortunately, we don't have some of the pages. Rockin' the Bot, Sonic rescues a magical frog, which gives him three magical stones as a reward. One lets him leap very high, one gives him super strength, and one lets him become elastic. Sonic, confused and doubtful, does not pay attention to what the frog is saying, and then when accosted by Robotnik, he mixes them up in cartoonish fashion, trying to figure out which one does which. I did not write down notes for this. It is just a boring, honestly. It's just a boring story. I don't think there's any Sonic Rams this issue, unfortunately. There is not, which further just cements that I did not care for issue 15. Yeah, fair. Uh, the... Second story... What's the big idea? It's Rotor making an invention, and everyone's wondering what it could be. There's the implication that he exploded a cow when he was trying to make carbonated milkshakes. Or how he's inventing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and it's treated like he made a massive fuck-up. Oh, I didn't, like, understand what that was about. I didn't either. Like, he puts, like, the peanut butter on top of the top... Uh, bread or something and that might have been the mistake he makes but it's also just like they're just treating him inventing the PB&J as if it's like some like batshit insane thing which honestly given the goop pancakes I wouldn't doubt (laughs) I just wrote down Rotor's probably just jacking off in his room and everyone thinks he's inventing something (laughs) and it turns out oh he made the thermos thermos. he invented the thermos fuck you It's just stupid. Um, animal magnetism. Robotnik's like, hey, that girl's a robot. Let's use magnets. I was disappointed with this because I was hoping it was going to be more of an actual bunny story. But no, it's... He makes a magnet. It nearly magnetizes her. They stop the magnet. Sonic lures him around to make them suck up all the metal in Mobius. Robotropolis. Robotropolis, rather. Yeah, it kind of 
caught me off guard at first. I was like, did he, did Sonic just win, technically? And it's a way that, like, the next issue starts, like, I won't jump ahead to that. But, like, it kind of made me think, like, there must be a follow-up to this. And at the end, they paint uh, Bunny to not be magnetized. They paint Bunny to make it so she can't be magnetized with a special solution, which is just such a weird way of putting it, honestly. Yeah, I guess it's just, I guess in the future, like, kids aren't learning, like, why don't they just magnetize her? That's why. And then... Because issue 15 was just nothing. We do get into a bonus story, because there was a story oh, yeah. that came out around this time, titled What's Old is Newt Again, which did yes. not come out at the initial time of publishing, but when they were making the Sonic Archives uh, trades, they did find the story and then did like touch it up. So, while it's not canon, as we'll see as we go on... It's an interesting story. Uh, Robotnik is basically pulling ideas for, hey, how do we defeat Sonic? And then the mighty return of the universe Salamander as he's like, hey, let me let me fight Sonic again. Yeah. Um, so you were wrong. He didn't die. Despite the last shot of him being stomped on, somehow he's back and also not a robot anymore. Yeah, he got de-roboticized, but then is also still wanting to... Like, yeah. fight Sonic, which is really weird. Yeah, what's also weird to me about it is, like, he's sentient now. Like, when we saw him, like, when, like before he got roboticized, he was just, like, going ook, ook, as salamanders are known to do. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird to me. Like, he, like, is still loyal to Robotnik for some reason. Like, it's still alive. Like, yeah. And then they roboticize him again, sick him on the Freedom Fighters, which... One interesting thing of note is that you can tell this came out around this time specifically because at this point they finally get their uh, coordination with the cartoon because Sally is finally brown furred. Yeah, but though she's still it, it was kind of something weird to me because like she's brown furred but it looks like the uh the black like hair. Her, yeah, like it looks kind of like her pink design. Yeah, it's not fully there and it might have yeah. just been something done in post because right. they did talk about like touching this up for the archive but yeah it's interesting finally seeing uh brownford sally universe salamander kicks sonic into the desert which he meets an ant that tells him to just run in circles big getting bigger and bigger circles until he finds where he's meant to be that was weird. Yeah, yeah, I don't get it either. Cut back to the other Freedom Fighters. Rotor gets the size gun from the Roboticizer from all the way back into issue three, meaning they didn't forget about that. They didn't just forget about that and then have Snively reinvent the Shrink Ray. Then they use it on the Universe Salamander, but then the Universe Salamander grows bigger instead because Robotnik installs an FX flip device, which uses antimatter to reverse energy fields and a bunch of scientific jargon to basically say you use the shrink function and it becomes a grow function on the universe salamander. But they kick Bunny into orbit and she goes, Eeyach! <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. Bunny also, when told to get out of the way of Rotor when he's using the shrink ray <laughs> on the universe salamander, says Roger, Roger says, says rabbit. rabbit. So and it's dumb. really stupid. Um, <laughs> Universe Salamander's about to step on them. He's like, oh, I'm going to kick you into a pile of dust bunnies. Sally says that 
entered again. Bunny says, I'll resemble that remark because she's a bunny. Do you get it? Honestly, with how, like, how, like, basic bunnies and Sally's personalities are at this point, I don't blame you for getting them mixed up. <laughs> and then Sonic comes back. We confirm that the Shrink Ray has now actually been destroyed, so we can get into the conversation of why don't they just use the gun to grow one of them really big and then just step on Robotnik? Like, we learn in a later story in the second batch for episode four that they're against killing, but they could just, like, grow really big, tear a whole King Kong style, and then just, like, pick up Robotnik and put him into prison. Like, they have end game with the size ray, and I get, I know, cartoon stuff, but still. Yeah, I get you, but, like, it's just like with the Emerald Crown, like, them having seven Chaos Emeralds, like, it's, they don't really put much thought into these early issues, like, or at least, like, they don't, they can't, like, have, like, a an end game solution, because that would, like, get rid of the, like, the whole story, I suppose, but, like, it's still annoying when, like, they have all these solutions and just forget about them <laughs> until it's relevant. Yeah. And so Sally and Rotor try and go down to figure out a solution in which Sally pulls out something she mail-ordered, being a yeah. Nicole 7000 robot, yeah. meaning this would have been the introduction of Nicole from Sad AM into the story. But just, it, I want to, I'll get into this, like, when we're done reading, the, talking about the story, but, like, it's, this was a weird story to read through for me. Yeah. One thing I thought was hilarious is that Antoine, being the coward that he now is, is trying to sing a song, and Sonic corrects him, and it's supposed to be Swing Low Sweet Chariot. Does Jesus exist in the Sonic universe? They got Christmas, so probably. Uh, and so Rotor makes <laughs> a new gun, and it is worded a bit confusingly, so I read through it a few times. I think the text is meant to be that Rotor makes a new growth ray through the help of Nicole, and is purposely mislabeling it. Which is, makes it weird, because it makes it sound like he's using the power of suggestion, but I think the implication is that he's actually just, he built a growth ray and is shooting it at the universe salamander to shrink him down. And so, the universe salamander shrinks down, but then keeps shrinking smaller and smaller, until he's down to microscopic size, which basically just means he's just shrunken into nothing, possibly just perpetually shrinking down forever, and then Sonic's just like, Huh. That's kind of bleak. <laughs> Gee, this is normally where I'd make some humorous remark, but that seems inappropriate. Heavy man, Tails says. And then we and have then Nicole just gives the heaviest words. foreshadowing that we're going to have more serious situations in the near future, yeah. and that planet Mobius is going to get very complicated. And so this, dear readers is the turning point of the comic in which the story is going to start changing and being more serious and more story-like. Not quite yet, especially given this story didn't actually print, but this is the turning point, effectively. Yeah, just... When I read through the first time, it felt like... Surely, like... The way that the word is... Logical exploration of the current situation leads me to predict many similar serious situations in the near future. Planet Mobius is about to get very complicated, new faces, complex relationships, entire worlds open up. Like, it just feels like, 
I mean, maybe it, like this was like something from like the original run, but like they, they just didn't print. But like it felt almost like a like they're just kind of poking fun at how like complicated uh, the arch comics are about to we're going to get soon. Like it felt like weirdly like meta. Like, but like, it meta in a sense, like they already knew like uh, how the story was going, and like, uh, just poking fun at themselves. Honestly, I, I don't know if I like the story because <laughs> this is the most. This is the first blood of the Sonic story, <laughs> though non-canonical, because Universe Salamander is definitely dead in this version of the story. Like they, it is not canon, but like. If it was, Universe Salamander's fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> he was already kind of dead, like, in the first story, because Sonic, Sonic stepped on him. At least looked yeah. like he did. But that is an interesting story, but I don't know if I liked it. Yeah, it's weird. Like, again, like, I, I didn't know, like, it... I'm pretty sure this probably was, like, from the original run and got scrapped for whatever reason, but I just felt like, like, surely, like, like, it, like the, at least that end bit felt like the, there was, like, something written after the fact, like, after the comics had taken the shift. But well, it's know. at the same time, these are basically just colored sketches. These yeah, aren't yeah. just colored sketches. It looks way more amateur, which means they definitely did not, like, do a full, like, run of passes, so it was definitely scrapped during production, mm -hmm. but it is just interesting that this is, like, the turning point of the Sonic comic, even if it's something that we only realize is the turning point in retrospect, because yeah. this was never released. Right. Issue 16, at this point in the official press run, Sally is now her proper coloration. Yeah. I'm with... including her actual hair color as well. And, at least on the cover, her vest... Yeah, she has her vest on the cover, but not in the actual story. She doesn't yeah, get that until, like, a few issues later. <laughs> but yeah, like, also, flipping a note with the covers, like, for the next couple issues, kind of take, I think it's Silver Age kind of approach, like, that kind of, like, super dickery, like, a uh, clickbait in the comic book sense of, like, very, like, eye-catching, dramatic covers. Intrigue, what's happening sort of thing. With this yeah. one, it's Sonic Under Glass. <laughs> and so... With Sonic un Under Glass, we start up with the Freedom Fighters celebrating the defeat of Robotnik, and then they're moving on to Sally and Sonic being married. Yeah. And the camera pans out to reveal that Robotnik, in the presence of the legendary Purple Grounder, has <laughs> actually kidnapped the Freedom Fighters because he tricked them into going to Sleepy Hollow, which is now just a thing that exists... I sure. think we forgot to mention it. I wrote it down, but Gotham City is on Angel Island. Oh, yeah. Cutaway I, joke is of indication. That was a weird, like, throwaway gag. I didn't really get but, it yeah. either. Sleepy Hollow is in Mobius, and uh, Robotnik leads the Freedom Fighters there, gasses them to make them all fall asleep, and despite the fact that he has Endgame, decides now and only now, especially given later stories, he decides... No, I'm going to make them feel despair before I roboticize them and puts them in a virtual reality that is basically tethered to everyone's deepest dreams and desires and will level Mobius while they're unaware of what's going on in the real world. Yeah, it's the classic kind of, as TV tropes put it, Lotus Dream Eater machine where, like, the characters are put into, like, their, their wildest fantasies and, like, 
led to believe and like they have the struggle of do I stay in the the all the fake reality or and like or ruin it for everyone else or do I break out? Like it's the, the, Sonic uh, does realize that he is the something is amiss when Antoine being the annoying brat rewrites reality so it's him and Sally getting married, which yeah. is kind of weird given you would think that they're Sally and Sonic's desires would supersede that, given they both yeah. love each other. But then it becomes Salvador Dali paintings because Antoine's the art snob because he's the snob, and it's just really dumb. He's the thing, except for the mountain clock, so... Because reference. Yeah, and then Sonic manifests Uncle Chuck trying to figure out what's going on, and then through a Peanuts reference, yeah. realizes that they're in a simulation, manifests a terminal to, like, hijack it, and, as mentioned before, has his crisis of conscience trying to figure out, like, should I do this, given everyone is enjoying themselves, ignoring the fact that uh, Antoine just turned him into a cuck. <laughs> <laughs> Good we point. have, yep. in the moment, Uncle Chuck tells him, hey, you know what to do, and in that moment, you see... In behind Uncle Chuck is Horizontal and Vertical. I don't get just it either. to further either. cement, oh, this is weird, this is not right, and all that. And when I saw that, I actually screamed in the voice call I was in, scaring my girlfriend. I was in that call, too, and I got freaked out because I, I didn't know what it was at first. But, like, after a minute or so, I was like, oh, shit. She had at the point when those two show up for a cameo. It's just a nightmare. I was not expecting them to actually return, but yeah. then they did. Um, it's like a one-panel appearance. Sonic gets 3D glasses as he reroutes all the steamrollers to go and level the base instead. And Eggman panics as Sonic frees the Freedom Fighters, who then lay waste to the Badniks inside the base. Including Yellow as well Grounder. As Yellow Grounder. <laughs> and <laughs> Sonic declares that he'll save his uncle yet, and this time yeah. for real. It's, it's a weird story. Yeah. I just... I like stories like this. I, yeah. I do like Lotus Dream Eater tropes, but the fact that Al and Cal came back just gave me a heart attack. Like, I feel like there's just... I described it in my notes as it feels like there's a new Cognito hazard every issue. It's <laughs> like, we had like, the introduction of multiverses, and then we kept introducing new characters each time, and then we had Sonic deals with misogyny, the storyline... We also had the weird Sonic turns into food one as well, and then this, and so it was just the weirdest batch we've read thus far, honestly. <laughs> I also, I, I'm on the same page as you, kind of, like, I like these kind of stories, like, uh, the EFA is like a cliche, I do like the whole, like, uh, as, like, I, I was about to mention it, for the man who has everything Superman story, like, that kind of story of, do I, like, break the reality where I have, like, all that I want, or do I return to my own? It just bums me out, because it just happens so fast, like, the, the dilemma is just kind of pushed to the sidelines, and as well as, like, yeah. the whole reality thing to just a simple Sonic to how to save the day. I would have preferred this being a way later story, honestly, for that reason. And also, it kind of bummed me out, like, we also, we see at the very end, like, after Sonic's made a mess of Robotnik's lair, he brings in Robo-Chuck and Robo-Mutsky to clean up the mess with, uh, 
uh, Uncle Chuck finally being actual an actual robot this time. Yeah, he actually finally looks roboticized. But I just feel like I I get like why because like we see like the fake Uncle Chuck and like I guess that's supposed to allude to it. But I don't know. I get I like this premise. I just don't think that like they like they kind of just rush rush through it. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely rushed. Mm-hmm. The man from Hedgehog. Robotnik suspects a spy is amongst us, and the rest of the story is just slapstick jokes. jokes in which uh, Robotnik tries to find the mole after a joke about literally finding a mole, and it's just a bunch of slapstick jokes that are just yeah. kind of boring. Uh, I did like the punchline, though, in which the the reason there was like spying going on at Robotnik's base is because Robotnik has a wheel... And helps him decide his yeah. evil plans. And it's revealed that there is actually a camera underneath the wheel the whole time that was picking up audio. Oh, I actually thought that was a pretty happened. good joke. I didn't Smile, really... you're on candid camera. Oh, okay. I thought it was a pretty good joke, honestly. I thought that was pretty funny, even if the rest of the issue was kind of underwhelming. Also, there's some weird reference humor, like the owls are not what they seem, which I believe is a Twin Peaks reference for all the, the children that loved them some Twin Peaks as a kid. I did kind of like the gag, like a one-armed bandit uh, reference to slot machine that the return of Reno Botnik with uh, the SWAT bots as the slots. Yeah, for some reason, Sonic and Sally... I know, it's because they, like, know about the plans, but it's like, Sonic and Sally just decide to go to the casino and they're dressed to the nines. It's like, what? Yeah, it says, like, welcome vacationing freedom fighters on when they arrive at the Reno Botnik. I didn't much care for the story, but I did think the punchline was pretty funny. Yeah, at the end, it's revealed that they have, like, a, a secret intelligence headquarters. Don't ask, don't tell. Isn't that... That's a thing with like the army right with like i've heard that before but like is that the the thing about like homosexuality in the army maybe i don't know and honestly i'm too scared to check <laughs> that's what i was thinking like i feel like i've heard that before and i was just my son was like the fuck why is that <laughs> i don't know why because it's like the innocent little like secret uh spy joke but like i'm pretty sure that's yeah, yeah, that's about, like, the, uh, the military policy about, like, homosexuality. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I, <laughs> I, I, we have Transonic, you know, we have our allies. I yeah. think it's just... Like, I don't think they, like, meant anything by Sonic it. Sonic like, ain't a course, snitch. But, like, fucking weird joke. <laughs> that it ends with a fucking... I'd say fucking uh, um, uh, A Tootsie Pop. How many licks did it take to get the sound of... Uh, Tootsie Pop, or let's say Lollipop, and then the owl, go- the owl goes, the a- that information, my dear boy, is classified. But, um, Tuss. Yeah. In the Sonic <sighs> Rams, we finally have confirmation that Sonic is 15, but we also have confirmation that the reason Tails has two tails is, be- is because Antoine gave one of them to him, because we never see Antoine's tail. So oh, he just yeah. gave his spare tail to Tails, and that's <laughs> absolutely stupid, but I, I love it. Sure, Archie, go with that. <laughs> they didn't confirm that they didn't have any resources, as we were suspecting, for the cartoon, and that's why Sally is finally, like, matching the cartoon mm-hmm. appearance. And then we also see that a kid named Venus Nguyen punched another kid in the face. Oh my god. Yeah. And now everyone calls 
them Sonic, and they were the person writing the response said, I think they should call you Knuckles, and then talk about how you should not punch people unless it's Robotnik. So dumb. <laughs> I don't... I'm just writing in saying that you punched a kid in the nose for saying that you're a Sonic freak was just so weird to me, honestly. <laughs> and then Damn. we have the final issue for this episode. Issue 17, Guerrilla Warfare, or The Apes of Wrath. Robotnik returns to Skull Island to find his first robot, Skull which he made Island, when he was... Way. Oh, I didn't even realize. Yeah, S-K-O-A-L. When he was a grad Sorry. student... And it's just a weird, bizarre hybrid reference in which it's just robot King Kong. Yeah. But he creates them in a parallel to Frankenstein. But the lightning striking is also the lightning from Back to the Future. Wait, it is? Yeah, he says it struck Hill Valley. Oh, I didn't realize that. So it's just a weird triple reference for the origin of this robot. Also, Robotnik, like, we see Robotnik with a much smaller mustache in the, I mean, the grad yeah, It's student. another it's match weird. cut as he's reminiscing, and I also, <laughs> I also thought it was funny. I, yeah, I, I, I like the match cuts. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of my favorite stories of the patch. Just for Robotnik. I, I, I wasn't super into it, but it had some good moments. Like, the fact that Robotnik is confirmed to be the second cousin of Pavlov. Oh, yeah. I think I saw that. Where was... Which page was that? Uh... Oh. It's on page 10. Um, Oh, yeah. I think I've ever seen that. He's just talking about conditioning him with bananas to try and get him to move on to take out Sonic. And, yeah. They just say in a cutaway, like, insert note that Pavlov is just Robotnik's cousin... Sure. So that's something. Also, something I did find kind of funny in the flashback, it, Robotnik mentions that, like, uh, uh, what was the name of it? Like, the King Gong, not King Kong, real clever there, uh, Archie Riders, is, like, mistaken as, like, various, like, a, uh, as, like, the a Bigfoot with a bunch of, like, a tourist things, like, with a bunch of, like, signs pointing to, like, Bigfoot-related, like, locations. Yeah. <laughs> I did kind of just love just how incredibly proud Robotnik is for, about King Gong. Like, it brought me back to Adventures Robotnik, just, like, that kind of, like, immense pride and, like, eagerness of loving him, his work. It's just, like, very fun to see, given how much of a, like, hard-ass he is for most of these comics. Yeah, definitely. And so, King Gong falls in love with Sally and kidnaps her because, again, it's a King, King Kong, Kong reference. Yeah. And takes her to the Transmobius Trade Center, which, when I read that, I got very scared for a second. <laughs> and no, it's just a, a, it's just a different building. It's not. pick up on that? It's, a, it, it's the it's the building from I don't even know. It's like a weird UFO looking building. I yeah, I know it's like, like an actual like place. I just like, don't remember what it is. Are you, is it like was it like the Seattle Sky Needle or whatever it's called? Probably. Oh yeah, and also Sally mentioned that she already has a boyfriend. So I guess yeah, that's like what I was talking about dating. earlier. We cover like 
Will they, won't they? Sally says she has a boyfriend. Spoilers, in the next issue, she's pining after Sonic as if they're not together, so they just... Are they together? We don't know. There's yeah, also a cutaway weird. joke about King Gong imagining Sonic as a banana, and it's really funny. Yeah, I didn't get it. Like, it's just weird. Like, it, uh, he sees Sonic on the biplane, because of course it's King Kong, and... For some reason, it shows Sonic with a body of a banana and King Kong, King Gong's uh, thoughts. <laughs> uh, one Sonic Graham I wanted to mention before we cover the last story is... Right. One person was writing in talking about how their previous letter wasn't printed. And I, the rest of the letter is just typical Sonic Graham's fare. But I just love how they follow up saying, Dear Sonic... I'm just writing to say I love Sonic comics. The other reason I'm writing this is because my other letter wasn't printed. You can't get away. You can't get rid of me that easily. Damn. And it was like, is this some kid's villain arc? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, holy shit. I mean, I think they printed the second letter, so maybe not. Maybe not. But then we get into the final story of Uh, the episode. First star I see tonight, Princess Sally's Crusade. It is a solo story featuring Princess Sally. She's doing the loves me, loves me not thing. Pulling petals, musing on her love of Sonic, and how she had a very busy childhood as a princess. And how things changed because of Robotnik capturing... Mobotropolis, as we'll later learn, overnight, and dubbing it Robotropolis. He, she doesn't know where her father is, but that gets interrupted with something falling out of the sky. The Sonic and friends join her, and they find a weird orb, which they don't understand the meaning of. But Sally remarks that this might be the answer to all of her wishes. (laughs) And with that, we go into the Opinion Zone. Also, one last thing about the issue. I thought it was kind of cute and like the Sonic art is uh, part of the comic of the last issue we read. Uh, it's like a kid that sent like a drawing of like the Freedom Fires and the Lynx guy from that the I forget the name of like the Lynx guy from earlier oh, yeah. along with them like yeah. oh, that was cute like I like that like a nice little it's some really cute art in yeah. these batches honestly yeah yeah opinion zone opinion zone I kind of enjoyed this batch even though we're still in like the early like comedy wacky stuff like we're just like as like we talked about with the universe salamander story we we're starting to shift into the more dramatic side of uh the sonic comics i was a bit more mixed on it mainly just in a sense of there's some really high highs but then also <laughs> like i said two of the issues were just really boring yeah. honestly definitely like, I liked, fair i liked the time travel one in issue 12 but I just the other two stories I did not care about for issue 12 and I just did not like issue 15 at all I just thought it was really boring agreed on issue 15 it's interesting though as I alluded to this is the turning point of the comic because 
we are going to get into what everyone knows the comic for of being more serious, more serialized, and way weirder. But, like, right now, as we're currently in, to put it pretentiously, the death throes of the Archie-style writing as Ken Penders moves in and starts slowly changing what the Sonic comic is, <laughs> it's just okay. Yeah, it's like, just okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a like sort of a start. Like there is definitely, I, like there's still like the like goofy gag stories every now and then, like the stupid rotor invention thing. But like it does yeah. feel like there's more of a focus on like telling a story and like actually having some amount of stakes and drama to the like. Pl- uh, evil plan of the day from Robotnik. Yeah, and we're finally starting to introduce reoccurring characters other than just Robotnik and Stively. Um, I'm glad we still have Crab Meat, my yeah, beloved. I'm glad he's still appearing at this point in the story. That makes me really happy. It is kind of interesting seeing Stively appear a bit more like the and as usually in like the place of what Krabby probably would have been in the early issues, again probably like synergy of the the cartoon. What's interesting about that is that Krabby is still part of there, so it is Krabby yeah. and Snively as his like like second in command for both of them. Yeah, thank and I you. thought that was kind of interesting. I thought they were just gonna full on cut. Crab meat, but the fact that they're keeping both of them, I actually thought was pretty cool. Yeah, we do see Robotnik gaining a bit more like serious and like putting, like having like a bit more of an edge against the heroes and like Sonic having to. Also, not all plans are pretty much solved by Sonic spin dashing slash buzz sawing through the problem. Like he has to like there at least like is a bit more thought into put into how he beats Robotnik at least, which is. Nice to see, I suppose. <laughs> it just gets, it felt like pretty much every story was like, and then Sonic buzzsaws the problem away. Yeah, he's got to use his sonic speed to get rid of the problem, and it is just kind repetitive. of repetitive, which I don't, I did not mind when I was reading it. It okay. was just like the journey rather than the destination, mm. but I get why that would just be tiring, especially given yeah. what we're quickly approaching where things are going to actually have different solutions other than he go fast and the robot die. <laughs> also, I I feel like the Freedom Fighters barely had even less of a, a like, a, like, not less of an appearance, but like, for the most part, less, like, importance in these issues. Like, there's... Like, they are always still kind of focused on Sonic, but it feels like they're just kind of there for Sonic. I mean, like, they're, like, uh, alongside him. Especially with just how Sally's handled, with them pushing her more as, like, Sonic's girlfriend, quote-unquote, since, like, they're it's still kind of, like... Uh, like wishy-washy on if she's actually if they're actually dating or if it, they're just pining after each other yeah there's definitely seeds being planted in place of very clear favoritism amongst the characters of the freedom fighters yeah. like tails has basically nothing bunny as you mentioned doesn't even appear sometimes yeah meanwhile we have sally basically getting a lot of almost like sonic level billing 
Yeah, I guess it makes sense since she's, like, a princess. And I imagine, like, the cartoon probably helped, like, increase her popularity. And, like, she was at least the first, like, the only female character. So I imagine a lot of kids probably, like, uh, like gravitated to her, especially girls. Like, since she's, like, the only, like I said, only female character, like... And, and I know, at least in the cartoon, like, they... She's not as much of a, like, girl character as she is in this, like, girlfriend character. And, like I said, fine set of issues, like... I There were some stories that got some good laughs out of me, like the King Gong one and the... Even, like, the stupid Magic Frog one, like, I thought was kind of funny... But, like, yeah, like you said, like, very fine uh, set of issues. Like, I I put them over, like, the last batch of, like, the series proper. Because at least they felt a bit more interesting to me. I would put these ones below the first batch, mainly mm. just because growing pains. Yeah, it's fair, like fair. JoJo Stardust Crusaders. <laughs> Stardust Crusaders introduces stands, but at this point, the stands basically mean nothing like mm. Avdol just has I shoot fire out of my bird and like Colonel just has I I have a lance like <laughs> they they stands just do not get batshit insane like they do in later parts and so mm. while it's the foundational part of the shift in the direction for Jojo there's still a lot of growing pains of having to get adjusted to the new style and so, nuclear take for me, I don't think Stardust Crusaders is all that good. It has its moments, <laughs> especially the Jotaro versus Dio fight. But I just did not like Stardust Crusaders upon <laughs> reflection. And I feel like, to a lesser extent, that's kind of how I feel about this batch. I thought it was pretty good, but you can tell they're definitely trying to make a pivot. And yeah. it is just a bit growing pains, growing painsy. Agreed. Right now. And with that, that wraps us up for this episode. Oh god, this was even longer than the previous episodes. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, tune in for episode four. Hopefully it's four this time and we don't have to continue stitching these together. I'm gonna keep this episode three, even if it's still gonna be a longer episode. It's just gonna be something we're gonna have to deal with. Yeah. But tune in with episode four when we have to deal with weddings, death, and a new miniseries. Mm. But until then, stay pendering, penderheads. Gotta juice! <laughs>